Hi, my name is Jenny. And my name's Yuri. This is Conscious Couple. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us on this weekly podcast in which we explore and expand on age-old spiritual ideas and questions, including law of attraction, awakened imagination, and the difference between a movie strip and a landing strip. Each week we come here and we sip some wonderful brew and invite you to do the same whilst listening in as we share our personal insights, stories and answers to life, the universe and everything in between. All based on what's written on a wooden lollipop stick. We have a claimer rather than a disclaimer and that is we believe that imagining creates reality. We'd love to hear from you and enjoy your input, so please do make contact with us on Twitter at Conscious Cuppa, that's C-O-N-S-C-I-O-U-S-C-U-P-P-A, and via email at ConsciousCuppa at gmail.com. Please keep it short and sweet because it's got a bit on a wooden lollipop stick. So we hope you've got your cup ready. I hope you've grabbed a brew, you've taken a pew, sip it in and you sub it up we're about to start yuri what's in your cup today wow um this morning we've got a shared um cafetiere cafetiere thank you um and it's got two leaves in it now these are the leaves of the cinnamon tree and they're called borden leaves in grenada which is in the caribbean and i've got a little bit of honey because i do like things a bit sweet we've got little cups and you think that it's more aromatherapy i'm having a sip now but i don't think it tastes very much of anything i think i'm i'm definitely getting the taste and the smell all at once so it is and it's got a slight um it's definitely cinnamony but it's got a very unique taste so i do recommend it a friend of mine, Alpheus, picked it off a tree and gifted it to me. And it is one of my favourite um, drinks. It's got a taste like nothing else. So I, I can, I confess, I can taste the slight cinnamon. So it's like a subtle cinnamon. Very subtle. Very subtle. So I guess with the aromatherapy, that works. Yeah. We should throw the dice, see who goes first. Yeah. So you have a four, Jenny. Six. I'm on. On you go. So. You've got a magnum oh, lollipop stick, so this should be a big question. It's a big question, so I'm going to put five minutes and You might at even this need point. six minutes yeah. on the clock. Shall we do six minutes for no, the No, well, let's see how it goes. Let's see how it goes. Okay. I think I can nail it. I'm confident. <laughs> okay, right. let's hear what is the big question. So the big question is science versus religion. Okay. Old. So science versus religion. Now, I think there are parallels to be drawn, and I'm going to draw those parallels. So I think these have become historical ideas now. Uh-huh. Um, and I think the brilliant thing that's happening at the moment is that we have a greater understanding of what science is and what religion is. So I think that they are uniting and uniting is one of my things i love this collaboration this coming together this idea that things are whole rather than really separate uh-huh. um it's not that we don't individualize and they don't have that individual 
specific natures, but I think that is part of a bigger nature. Mm-hmm. So in that, science is much more technical. It's much more like individualised. It's much more about um, research and putting things together and taking them apart and seeing how they work and trying to solve problems, but in a very specific way. Religion is more theological. I think it's really religion was based more out of a philosophical question about how we became, what is our purpose? And science's question is, well, how does this work? How does it work? I want to take it apart and figure out how it's how it's working, how I get this to work better and be involved in that nature of how things um, come about. I think I would like to take the verses out and unite them. As people, what we can do is use both of these. Somebody said to me recently, you are a scientist. And I was very thrilled because I'd never thought of myself as a scientist before. Why are you a scientist? Um, Having taken on this idea that I'm a scientist, I do love to construct and reconstruct. The research part of me is very scientific. Uh Um, The love of structure in which I play and discover and invent and create is quite a scientific structure. But within that, I think I could be construed as religious in that I have a very spiritual connection and I embrace that spiritual connection. I embrace my imagination, which I, I believe, as you probably gathered by now, imagination is the core of that. Whatever you choose to call that imaginative power that we have, whether you choose to call it God, whether you choose to call it Allah, whether you choose to call it the universe, however one chooses to describe that, I I believe it's imagination. So in fundamentally. A, do you have you found that when you discovered that your imagination is creating your reality, you had to test it quite scientifically? I think I've done it both scientifically and creatively. And I think those two things also meld. So the creativity is the curiosity and exploration of it. Uh-huh. And I think the investigation is much more scientific. Right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try and manifest something. Is yeah. that what you mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to use my imagination to do this, to manifest this thing. Let's see if it comes about, how it comes about. And, so working and, with, ex- experimenting with method? Yes. Okay. And um, I think the first time that happened, which is maybe the first time I really embraced the science in me, but didn't realise that's what I was doing, was when Neville asked, can you see anything in this world? that wasn't once created by the imagination, which wasn't once imagined. Uh And immediately, that's a call to test. Yes. And um, I couldn't. Yeah, I'm done. See? Five minutes. Excellent. Let's go. You'll go, Jenny. Can you imagine standing outside your dream home? Oh, lovely. Five minutes, Jenny. So I'm closing my eyes and I'm trying not to imagine myself here at home and what my dream home would be. Okay. So what this this home gives to me is 
is the beginning of what it would be like to be at my dream home because this home has the feeling of my dream home and there's the space and there's the silence and there's the stillness because and, and we're so near nature but you know ultimately i think my dream home would be in dominica so what this home gives to me is a kind of a direction like a pointer towards that so let me place myself in dominica it's sunny and it's hot and yet there is a cool breeze and the home has three floors to it and there's blue sky surrounding everything so i'm looking up at it and there's balconies because i love balconies verandas really that's what they're called in the caribbean aren't they yeah because they're not small like most of them are here they, they wrap around the house there is a burnt sienna color of paint on the roof which is pointed it reminds me of a almost like a witch's house actually but it's not dark it's light lots of windows for lots of light it's on a hill and Dominica is very hilly so that kind of feels right I'm starting to see the trees around as well the plants around and there's a feeling in my heart of satisfaction like it's this is complete so perhaps I'm at the place where the house is just finished being made or it's it's mine it, I can I can move in here and that's a lovely feeling uh, we'll leave it there mm, lovely Jenny. I need to spend more time there actually yeah in my imagination is there a, a specific reason why it's in Dominica uh, I have land there I need to to do something with that land that's a real metaphor isn't it yeah, I've, I've, my father gifted his children um, part of um, he, well, his land and I have a couple of acres of that. So I should use it. It's there. So I don't know how it will get to the point of the house being there. But if I can imagine the house being there and very specifically the colours and the shape and so on, that means that, that that gift of the house is waiting for me to occupy it. Neville often talks about perpetual construction, deferred occupation, which is talking about you're imagining something, but you're not engaging in it to the extent that it feels like you are there. It, it's wrapping around you. You're actually in the dream and you're engaging with it in the sense of, you're touching it to say, to anchor yourself at that point in reality. So I, the practice is, is about occupying, occupying yourself with being in the picture Inhabiting. rather than just looking at the picture. And yeah. I'll stop there. Great. Thanks, Jenny. It's your turn. So my turn. When I speak with one voice, change happens. Dr. Arikana. Arikana Chihombori Kuyo. When I speak with one voice, change happens. I definitely have experienced many voices in my life. It uh -huh. makes me sound a bit schizophrenic. <laughs> um, but 
I'm beginning to understand that as I've evolved, I haven't brought all of me with me. So, for instance, the child's voice for a long time, which we spoke about in a previous podcast, has been quite unheard by me until Mm -hmm. quite recently. Mm -hmm. I feel I have felt um, in my later years an ancestral voice. But again, I, I don't think I have been as open as I am now to allowing this one voice, this one idea, this one presence to be consolidated, to be unified within me, to to be an overriding impetus in my life. I love the word, the Latin modus operandi. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the one voice is the one truth, the one idea, the one word, and that would have to be imagination again. I'm aligning myself as I grow in age, in wisdom, in appreciation, in understanding what that voice feels and sounds like. So it enables me to be quiet enough to hear that voice and be able to differentiate it from often the noise I have felt, the confusion I felt, the craziness of life I felt. So the one voice is this clarity that I find very helpful and very useful and a guiding force in my life now. So in times of difficulty or confusion, I'm able to return to that voice. I'm able to trust that voice. Yeah, it's a trusting. It's a trusting. And I think the one voice refers to that connection that we we have with everything, but also the individual's expression of that one thing. Oh, interesting, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see that. I felt very connected yesterday to, to nature and... I have the idea of, of, of this symbolism of life always speaking to you. Mm-hmm. But also, yeah, I, I, I get your, your individual expression of that. Yeah, yeah experience mm. and therefore expression of that. Mm. Are you happy with that? I'm very happy with that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Last lollipop stick of the day. How old were you when you had your biggest life change? How old were you when you had your biggest life change? Okay, Jim, you're on. I was three months old when I had my biggest life change. My mother died, and that would have had a knock-on effect throughout my life for various reasons. And it all came to a head when I was 40. So there's that 40 years Mm. kind of in the wilderness. Mm. And... The conscious acknowledgement of that biggest life change happened while I was in Amsterdam. And when I came back to London from that, that's when I had the huge turnaround of my life. Oh, interesting. But a more of a conscious one. So at three months old, a parent dying, especially a mother dying, there's this unconscious, unacknowledged change that happens Mm. very powerful very impactful Mm. 40 years later the the grief of that finally caught up with me and had to be addressed had Mm. to be dealt with and 
so many life questions. Why has this happened to me? Why am I feeling like this? I was very ill at the time. So it was like everything seemed to be coming to a point 40 years later where I had to deal with. Like a crescendo. Like a crescendo. Had to deal with that. And it actually started in October, the same month when the death occurred, oh. 40 years before, when I think about it now. Mm. So that 40 years later got me to say, to have that big magnum lollipop stick. Like, <laughs> what is happening? What is really happening here? And that started my quest to discover a, a truth that I found that science or religion could not help me with. Mm. Not the science in the classical sense. Traditional sense, yeah. Uh, yes, quantum physics. And not religion, as in the organised religion. Because I did try these things out. I just, I did turn to them for answers. But religion didn't help me either, but not in a traditional sense. So to be religious, to be devoted to something, yes, I can get on board with that. To investigate in a scientific way yes i could get on board with that but not in a, any kind of traditional book that i could find and read and understand it didn't relate to me and yet um you found the bible again you kind of read uh, was it a rediscovering of the bible it was a rediscovering of the bible before i left for amsterdam an old lady came to my door her name was grace she came to yeah she came to my door she was a Jehovah's Witness, um, but she didn't have anybody with her. She was just by herself. Which is quite unusual, actually. And she wanted, She it was a hot day. She asked for a glass of water. I went up and got her a glass of water. And she, we just had a, a chat. And I was, I was kind of talking about the universe because I had some ideas about it at that point. But nothing to do with religion. But because this was an older black woman, you know, there's a certain respect that, you know, she's been through stuff. Mm. I think I've been through stuff, but she's been through stuff. Yeah. And so you have to give her the time of day. So I gave her the time of day and she came back again. And this time she left the Bible with me, the Bible that she had. And that Bible... So is this, is this a Bible that, you know, is this a new Bible that she gives out or is this... No, it was her personal Bible. Wow. She gave that to me and it sat on my shelf until I got back from Amsterdam two years later. And then I could start to dip into it because I discovered about imagining creates reality and how the Bible teaches you imagining creates reality. Wow. But I had no idea about that. And most people don't because it's not what traditional religion interprets the Bible. Yeah. But for me, the Bible is just basically telling you how to use your imagination to create your reality besides other things. Oh, spot on. <laughs> nice. So we're going to now do our one-minute questions from the public. public. We've got our magic minute. Yep. Get the questions out, Jenny. I think you ought to go first. Okay. So, right. Michael, is it true that wisdom directs knowledge towards virtue? Michael, thank you. That's a hard <laughs> one in, in a minute. Okay, you've got a lot of deep words in there. Okay. A minute. Michael, is it true that wisdom directs knowledge towards virtue? 
Wisdom is virtue, is a virtue. I have an idea of, of, of the virtues. Wisdom for me is a, is a virtuous state of being. Wisdom is definitely one of the powers, one of the energies, one of the experiences that enable you to interpret knowledge, what you've learned in a, in a wise way in a virtuous way. So I, I think you can jumble those words up, but I'm not sure I really got to answer <laughs> that question. Sorry, Michael. That was, that was a tricky one. Yeah. I mean, we could just say yes or no. but <laughs> Yeah, Michael, it does. Yeah. Yeah, hello. <laughs> okay, you're on, Jenny. Okay, let's have an easy one. <laughs> Please. I'm picking these at random. I'm just closing my eyes and dot there. Okay. Yang. Yang Alts, how can you tell if you have a young soul? One minute, doors are closing on the elevator. We're going up 13 floors. Well, what I've been reading with all these oldie books is that a young soul hasn't developed conscience. That is to say, it's just began eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. What is right? What is wrong? If you have a young soul, you don't have much conscience. You don't have the awareness of what is considered good and what is considered evil whether or not it's in a traditional sense or in something that makes your soul feel good or not so good delight or not so if you have a young soul typically you might be a psychopath for example typically you might be i mean this is like first life if you believe in multiple lives which i do then because you, you have to d- develop a conscience, what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Ultimately, if you have any kind of struggle with your conscience, you're probably a young soul. Mm. But if you're an older soul, I'm shouting out the lift doors, they're closing. <laughs> Yang! 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 If, if you're not struggling with your soul, you've probably got an older soul. I'll, I'll leave it there. So yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay, what's next? You have to say thank you. Oh, thank you for listening. Yeah, thank definitely. You for Send us pictures of your your mug shots. Send your mug shots <laughs> to our Twitter feed. That is at Conscious Cupper on Twitter. You can email those in consciouscupper at gmail.com and you can leave a message on the anchor.fm page you can actually just click on messages and send us a spoken message we'd love to hear your voice so send us your questions um spoken or written because we'd really love to include those in our show we love to hear from you my name's yuri and my name is still jenny and this has been a tasty brew a swell cuppa and a slurping good time thanks for joining us
Okay, Brew Crew, we've got a question for you to lose and schmooze over. You ready? So the question is, how would you like to be remembered? How would you like to be remembered? Schmooze and muse. And if you'd like, send in your answers 